How's the lighting look? It's all right. It's a little. Oh, is this better? Yeah. Uh, no, you're not gonna fix it this way. All right. It's April 9th, 2010. I'm Mike Benedetti. This is Five Warriors Show about Worcester today on the show. Photographer Greg Opperman. Howdy. And uh, Brendan Mellican. I feel like I'm. Remember the, the girl on Sesame Street that used to the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? They used to rock in the chair. I can't remember who. Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin's character. Yeah, this chair is way too big for you. It's good for you. Anyway. Um, today on the show, we're going to talk about different things. We're going to talk about uh, uh, what's going on at the Worcester Art Museum this this uh, month, and uh, we're going to talk about. I guess the first thing we should talk about is the skull. Um, that, as it says in the newspaper, police uncover items of interest that over. Over there in Holden, over there in Holden, uh, a jogger found a skull in the woods, and uh, that's all we know. Just basically, we've had articles in the paper every day, but there's no other information. Any opinions or thoughts? I mean, my first thought is that no amount of, you know, journalism or police efforts or media coverage or anything will bring whoever this guy or woman is back. Like, and we're wasting a ton of resources on figuring out what the deal is with the skull. Yeah, this person could have been dead for 60 years, for all we know. Okay. You know? We're in the woods. People dump bodies in the woods. Or people even die in the woods. So, I mean, that's... I mean, not to, to downplay someone going missing or, or being murdered or what have you, but it's... Uh, I've heard from plenty of friends, uh, and I know others in the neighborhood have as well too, who are like really concerned that we must be really concerned that's, that a body was found around here. But we live in the woods, and you know that's kind of what happens. Everyone's. I remember growing, where I grew up, not too far up the hill, also in the woods. Uh, they found a homeless lady once who had passed away in the woods of natural causes or from, from uh, exposure, and uh, that was uh, the neighborhood went crazy. Like you know, so, like the sky was falling. So this person fell asleep in the woods and she passed away. It's, it's the woods. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty, I mean, I know that's pretty crass, but like we could be, like for all the police effort that's going into like figuring out what's going on with the skull, it's a lot easier than actually preventing real crimes, right? Like instead of working on, you know, like things that are actually going on in the city, like let's all bring like, you know, four squad cars out and a whole forensic team to figure out what's up with the skull in the They world. also shut down a bunch of the streets. Yeah, they, they did shut down a bunch of the streets. I mean... Like, you, uh, I mean, think about how many ponds or old mill ponds, or just think about how old Worcester is, right? And every mm -hmm. time we drive by one of these old mill ponds or whatnot, think about the 400 years or so that they've just been sitting there, probably being yeah. used as a <coughs> dumping ground for uh, bodies or other things, too, like cars or, or what have you. I mean, that's... I have to say this, but I'm glad they're investigating just because of my own curiosity. Yeah, what I mean, that's, that's, that's what we have police departments for. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to find out. I can't wait to find out what the actual story is. But in the meantime, you can't get worked up about it because it's the woods. I'm also curious about who snitched, first of all. I mean, who called the cops in the first it's place? It's a jogger. Yeah, I know. But, like, if I were to find a skull in the woods, I would just bring it home and put it on my mantle. You well, know? That's the other like, thing. Who wouldn't? That's the one part that doesn't fit with my line. It's the woods, right? I mean, like, I go hiking in the trails up here uh, you know, on a weekly basis, if not a daily basis during the summer. And I've never found a body. So, I mean, it's, it's even though I say, well, it's the woods, that's where people dump things, uh, you know, it's... I've yet to find. There's some pieces of metal out there. So it's kind of what's that? There's some pieces of metal out there. There's some garbage out there that I've, I've seen. Other things that have been dumped, uh, on, you know, that have been left unnaturally, but never, never a body. That's any any other bitter comments from you guys? <laughs> no, I think I've dug myself a deep enough hole. No fun intended. Okay. Well, police uncover items of interest. I was about to say, Telegramming Gazette uncovers no items of interest. Except today in the paper, we have a great article called They're Barefooting on AUC Campus. 
This is about uh, Atlantic Union students taking a day uh, to go barefoot. I guess it's part of a national thing. Somebody was telling me that they do this at Clark too, where students like don't wear shoes for a day to like, to raise awareness and raise some money. I guess for uh, kids, especially this is here in Ethiopia, who have childhood, who have foot, who get foot diseases from getting worms or whatever into their feet. Do you know about this? Do they do this at WPI? No. I, well, I, it's never happened at WPI as far as I know, and I can't speak for Clark, um, so it's new to me. When I was in college in Los Angeles, <laughs> every day I went barefoot. <laughs> so it sort of, it sort of, it actually makes me a little sad of the of the, the, the heart-stricken students in uh, New England who cannot go barefoot every day when they're in college. I'm actually currently trying to get worms through my feet. Are you really? Hookworms. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Allergies. Apparently, hookworms are, are 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 showing promise as as a somewhat of a cure for seasonal allergies. They seem to boost your immune system in all the ways that uh, that that hay fever and whatnot is, really? is is an immune system issue. Yeah, it's been some good research for the last four or five years. It's is a, it worth the trade off? There's, there's actually a good book out there. I think it's called the problem. It's like the the dirt problem or something like that. That the idea that humans are so clean is actually one of the things that's caused more illness in humans. Hmm. But we have a symbiotic relationship of sorts with like the different parasites. And but what but there's a certain level of cleanliness which is just unhealthy. It's just unhealthy because there are certain parasites that actually fulfill a certain role in, in, in keeping us more healthy. Hookworms seem to be in, in balance. Like if you get, I think the magic number is around 10 hookworms living in your intestines, uh, then they're, whatever they're doing to your immune system is actually what's keeping you from getting allergies. Still common down, down south. You know, we've got people out working fields and what have you. That still have hookworms, <coughs> people who are going, and those people are not going to have hay fever symptoms working out in the field. Oh, but their feet will be get screwed up. Not really. The hookworms are small. They burrow in, then they travel up your intestines. Terrific. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, I'm going to keep you from sneezing. I've been, I've been suffering with, with seasonal allergies for 30 years now. I'm, I'm willing to try anything. I, mean, I can't feel my intestines. <laughs> <laughs> How would you? I can feel my They're intestines. Very small. <laughs> out of sight, they don't need much. If you have if you have a you know if you have a, a hookworm infestation, then you might become anemic. But just a dozen of them, not going to do any damage. You won't even know they're there. Well, I thought it was I thought it was interesting because normally I what I, what I originally thought this article was going to be about just from the headline was about the barefoot running trend because it's really a thing now, of like people talking about you know athletic shoes they're bad for your feet. Um, you know, like you shouldn't go around with an elevated heel. The reason that you have so many great runners from like Kenya or Ethiopia is because you got these kids who grow up barefoot and they never develop the bad habits. And you know, I don't know. The reason that uh, runners in the U.S. get so much joint problems is that they run in a way which is uh, a padded foot allows the foot to strike really hard, and so the foot doesn't get hurt, but everything else gets hurt from all that shock. So if you run barefoot and you eat raw meat, it'll be great. Um, so I thought that was going to be about that thing. And so I so we can go back to that thing. <laughs> this gives me an excuse to point out these uh, these like these kind of shoes, for example, are very big. I first learned about this from Cory Doctorow. This shows you how mm. unplugged in I am. That that's how long it takes me to get my barefoot information. These like shoes that have the individual toes and five room five fingers. Five room five fingers. They're still kind of pricey. They are. Well, these <clears throat> I have a friend of mine who's a a, a runner in Philly and uh, also is into like eating raw meat and stuff. And um, he he tried these and did not like them. No. He got he got injuries wearing these, so he is now 100% barefoot. Hmm. Like he'll like begrudgingly wears some sort of sandals when he goes to work, but the rest of the time is barefoot around his house, running Where down the street. Where do you run barefoot? Like grass? Do you have to look at it? 
I don't know. I don't know enough about. You mean like where do people who are into barefoot running barefoot, yeah. or I mean, where is there do like, run? Are there special barefoot running tracks? So you don't no, know. I don't you think so. No, no, no. On treadmills. No, no, no. I think that it's. You just got to get tough. Like I can tell you this again. Like from my from my you know my years of. I don't know. When I was in college, like as a freshman, it was like a big deal to be barefoot. And then, sure. like, eventually you're kind of like, after a year of that, you you're like, I went to college in, uh, Cal- in Pasadena, California, okay. Caltech. And, uh, but eventually you're like, you know what? Like, there's some benefits to wearing shoes, and it's just kind of like an easier deal. Um, but uh, uh, I have to say, like, uh, yeah, like, I would, you know, like, once your feet sort of get toughened up, like once you get a little bit of a callus on there, like the first couple of days you're walking around barefoot, your feet are just raw. Mm-hmm. But then once you get a little calluses on there, it's fine. And like I would occasionally, like very occasionally, like once every six months maybe, step on a piece of glass, and you would just kind of pick it out, and you know the blood would come out, and then you would just keep walking, and it was not a big deal. I never got an infection or anything like that. So I think that like you know, the dogs can do it, <clears throat> or orangutans, so can we. At one point to at one point to uh, to to show off to somebody, I actually crushed uh, crushed up a glass bottle with my foot. Because uh, just to show, like you know, like at some point, you're, like your foot is flexible and your foot can the, the, the callus can be good. I mean, and it's it not was the cold walking circuit that brought you here to Worcester. It it's the kind of thing of like cold walking. Like I have, I never did the cold walking, but I have to wonder, like if you just have any kind of a real callus on your mm. foot, is the cold walking pretty simple? I don't know. Very soft feet. Anyway, yeah, I think that, I mean the barefoot, like if you, even even if you just go to like the weekly five Ks here in Worcester, mm-hmm. from my limited experience of this, there will be people with like. Who are running barefoot? Are there a fair number of, of barefoot runners here in Worcester on the five, those five Ks? I've seen them. I'm not a regular. I don't regularly run the five Ks. The people who I've talked to who regularly run the five Ks point out to me because they know my sort of vague interest in barefoot running. They're like, "Oh, we saw this. This guy had this shoe, or this guy with two barefoot guys this week." And yeah, I think it works. I think it works okay. Anyway, I have no. I mean, I there was a there was a, a, a Harvard study that I guess was in the Globe and everywhere else recently mm-hmm. talking about sort of the biomechanics of this. And I guess it was a. I don't know. My my impression from reading some secondary analysis is that it's sort of a a small study to be the subject of so much. Am I am I shooting myself or am I shooting my neck or? You're shooting yourself. Photographer Greg Offerman, he knows how it works. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, it was a limited study. You're shooting your neck. No, I'm shooting my neck. I'm getting complaints about shooting my neck. I don't know exactly know how to. No, the solve thing this makes problem. perfect sense. It just it doesn't seem to make perfect sense in say like an urban environment like Worcester, where you could have everything from like a roofing nail to a syringe laying on the side of the road. Yeah. And if you're yeah. running, you're not looking at the stuff on the ground. Right? Yeah. Well, I don't. Know. Anyway, I just say like if people want to try it, try it. I have no. I'm not out here proselytizing for barefoot running, but I've had the the, the problem that I've had, and I've been using these mostly to train for it, is just that like you have a totally different set of muscles that you're using. Mm-hmm. And joints that you're using, and so, and also the ball of your foot gets sore. So you have to like wear this or go barefoot for a while before your leg is as strong doing this as it is doing the other style. Anyway, let's talk about photography. Greg Offerman, how's it going? It's going well. What's going on at the art museum? <coughs> so, Worcester Art Museum is running two exhibitions. One is called Who Shot Rock and Roll which is a professional exhibition about um, rock and roll photography, I think focusing on like 60s, 70s, that kind of thing. Um, but then they also decided to do it as a companion exhibition. They decided to have um, this thing called Wormtown Rocks, which is a juried exhibition um, that was open to the public or open to anybody who wanted to submit um, about like the w- local Worcester music scene. So there were 175 pieces submitted. Um, each artist could submit three pieces, I think. Um, they whittled it down to 108, gave out 10 awards, first through third place, and then seven honorable mentions, and they just had the opening yesterday. 
How, how was it? What, if people go down to the art museum, what are they going to see? Um, it was pretty good. It, I was impressed with the diversity of topics. I think I would have been disappointed if it was too much of like one sort of thing, like if it was too much like bar photography or too much photography down at the DCU Center. But it was good. Um, there was a fair number of photos taken um, in collective houses, like the Firehouse, and even here at the Go-Go, the top prize winner was taken at the Go-Go. It was taken in this This is why we're taping in this room, because apparently the top prize winner was taken in this room. It was the Terribles in this room, taken by Andrew Packer a few years ago. Good job, Andrew. Congratulations, Andrew, if you're watching. Um, Yeah, second place was a picture of the Grateful Dead from last spring at the DCU Center. But then there was... um, Wait a second. I I need to clarify this with you. What do you mean by the... I thought the Great Hill were broken up. Apparently they still tour and hippies pack it in and travel, you know, from all over the area to just... I don't know if you remember last spring, but they, they like, invaded downtown with their, like, hacky sacks and drum <coughs> circles because the dead... Did I thought like that a, was a tea party. No, they did, like, a they did like a three-day stint at the DCU oh, Center, yeah. and these people just, like, hung out in their vans. I, I was out of town last spring. I didn't uh, see this. This yeah. is true? It actually... You need to tie these two things together because I was down there last spring. I went just to, to, to reminisce and walk through the parking lot, and it uh-huh. is no longer a hippie. There's a handful of hippies. They're still smoking selling weed, but the people who are actually buying all the weed are, in fact, all middle-aged Republicans. It was amazing to walk around there. That like that, the crowd was not what you what what I remembered seeing at fish shows and, and dead shows 15 years ago. The crowd was all tea partiers. It was it was dudes that awesome. looked like they got out of their banking jobs on Friday and then spent the entire weekend buying weed from from actual hippies or you know hippies and costume hippies or whatever. Uh, it was really the funniest thing in the world. It was it was dudes who in the past 15 years have Apparently grown up, started families, and donned red, red, red Sox shirts. But, but they still love the dead. But they still <laughs> love cheap. We got a babysitter for the weekend, yeah. drove down to Worcester, and uh, it was an smoked some pot. Jerry would be very, very sad right now. Uh, uh, anyway. But we digress. <laughs> this, is, this is the most bitter episode of this show ever. Um, okay, so you were saying about the show. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a fair <clears> number. <throat> I mean, the things that stuck out to me were... Um, yeah, there's a good deal of photography from Ralph's. Um, this guy, Dickie Cummings, who you might know as the bartender from Ralph's, yeah. did some great work from, I think most of it was from years past, a few years ago, that uh, got some recognition. Um, Louis Dupree has been photographing bands in Worcester for a very long time, and he was, I'm not sure if he won a prize. Third prize was, I think, Louis. Um, he has a book out now, right? He does have a book out now. Um, I don't know what it's called or where you can find it, but it's you can... It's called 30 Nights or something? I think it's 30 Nights or 60 Nights? 120 nights. I don't. Yes, but he had an opening so recently much. at Dr. Gonzo's for his book, uh, or yeah. you know, a, a release party for his book. And this is a book of bar photography. It, it is mostly bar photography, yes, awesome. and consecutive nights apparently. Yeah, yeah, he does great work, and then yeah, you know, you have the guys that follow around the hardcore bands. Um, you know, um, were, there, were there any metal metal photos? Um, I think there were mostly like there was definitely like a shot from Metal Fest of like some okay. guy in face makeup with dreadlocks going. Juggalos. But uh, yeah, <laughs> perhaps a juggalo. It seems like it was a performer, so I don't know if it was technically a juggalo. Okay. But um, luckily, there wasn't so much of that. Um, Wait. All right. Well, okay. Fine. You say All what right. you want to say. Fine. Sorry. Okay, keep going. No, no, no. Actually, I take that back. There can be fantastic photography of metal bands out there. I should not have said anything. Okay, yeah. keep, just just keep going. Apparently, the juggalos have been <coughs> taken over by Republicans as well. Yeah. Um, there's also a fair number of uh, pictures from days past. Like uh, there's a whole spread from like the 80s when like 
Prince and Springsteen like played the centrum or whatever. And the, uh, there's this there's this fantastic picture of Kenny Loggins. It looked like something <laughs> you, that would be in your grandmother's living room. He was wearing like a slate blue suit, like in profile, like pointing at the crowd. I think it's called "I Remember You." And it had like this gilded, like wooden, like ornate <clears throat> frame. And it was like just something straight out of your grandma's living room. That's awesome. And uh, tell me tell me about your photos that were in the show. Oh, my photos. Um, so I submitted three. Um, two of them were taken at the firehouse. Um, I got two honorable mentions. Um, the two that won honorable mention, one was one was taken at the firehouse. It was a woman doing a sound check for a performance that was about to happen. Um, she's kind of sitting at a desk with like her, you know, circuitry and like there's wires hanging everywhere and you can see the amp and you can see like the wood paneling in the firehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably my favorite. And then uh, the other one that won an honorable mention was. It was called Thriller, um, and I don't know if you know the story with this guy, but it was of little Michael Jackson. I have I have a video of the Michael Jackson kid. Yeah, this guy is incredible. This is taken at the King Street Block Party, but this kid, who is about six or seven years old, just came out of the woodwork last summer at the King Street Block Party, or not the Block Party, but the uh, Main South Farmer's Market, and every week he was there, they would put on a Michael Jackson song for him. He would know all the words. He would know all the dance moves. He would do, you know, the whole routine, the whole routine, like... He's got a hat, he's got the shoes, he's got the pants, he's like grabbing he's his crotch, he's doing his spins. Like everybody just eats it up. This kid is incredible. He is the best Michael Jackson impersonator I've ever seen, and he's only six years old. Um, Have you seen the Michael Jackson kid? <laughs> it's I fantastic. Like yeah, I mean, maybe this summer he'll be back. I hope, I hope. You know what? I have I have a really bad video of the Michael Jackson kid. If I find it, you television viewers it. will we'll see it. Internet viewers, I'll link to the YouTube. Yeah. And then the third one was. Um, another show at the firehouse it was the what cheer brigade um they're an anarchist marching band from providence and they came i think it was a fundraiser for stone soup but they came and they played at the firehouse it was just a hugely ruckus show and this the shot is actually of um somebody you live with sam boyd who um yeah they're this marching band so they have the drums like hanging off their chest and like one of the drummers just like handed sam boyd his drumsticks and they're like hey and like drumming out like (laughs) that's like just in the middle Good of the, job, Sam. You know. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll link to Greg's photo blog. And uh, if anybody who has photos in the show, the photos are online, let me let me know. I'll be happy to, we'll be happy to link to them and let people look at them. Um, that's awesome. So this is at the Art Museum for, like, for the next month, right? Yeah, it's running until May 14th, I believe. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, so we're running a little late on time. I wanted to talk about police cameras, but I think we got plenty of time for police cameras. We should do a dog follow-up uh, that the lieutenant governor's dog, the pit bull-type dog, uh, apparently passed away a few years ago. Barely. So this is no longer an active issue. That the statistics about the dogs apparently do come from somewhere real. Uh, people, I guess, are sort of following up and maybe trying to get the statistics and look at them and try to see, is there anything statistically significant about this dog statistic? We'll find out if anybody does that work. Uh, also, not related to that, but Paul Collier's dog uh, died recently. And uh, we, I know what it's like to lose a, lose a dog. So I'm feeling for you. Any Comments? Any dog follow-up? No? Okay. Um, I want to mention that while I was doing this, uh, Barbara Haller currently is doing a, a... I don't even know if we want to get into crosswalks. I think we have to get into tea parties. We can get into crosswalks next week. Okay, tea parties. I think we should edit out all the fluff. We should get rid of all the, the woodstock. Oh, I, we need to have a more relaxed show today. People don't want to watch a frenetic show. Yeah, that's true. Um, if people wanted something frenetic, they would just read something. Um, okay, so the 15th is tax day. There's going to be a tea party thing downtown. 
Those the, the 14th and the 15th are very exciting. <coughs> you get Sarah Palin wheeling into town on the 14th. Into uh, Western Boston. Boston. Oh, but, Boston. Uh, you know, I mean, we're only 45 minutes away. I mean, she's going to wheel out there. She could wheel back this way. Who knows? But the 15th, yes, is the is the Tea Party rally down in Lincoln Square. Mm -hmm. uh, One-year anniversary of last year's Tea Party rally, where I think there was, what, Two million people in Lincoln Square. They <laughs> claimed that there were 2,500 yeah. on the website. I checked it out the other day. That was I one of the. That, I think that was that, that was our million man march moment, where it was like depending on who you asked, there was either half of the planet was down there, or if you actually went down yourself, it looked like I don't know maybe 150, 200 people. Um, but yes, well, this year we're going for more. Right? That's what, that's what we want more people than we're at the Grateful Dead <coughs> concert. Uh, well, I want to say last year I was last year I was down in D.C. and so I was actually I was in Lafayette Park protesting Guantanamo stuff, wearing a black hood over my head during the big Tea Party. I actually got to see a number of Tea Party events in Lafayette Park. It wasn't that big; it was kind of rainy. I think that there might have been some things in the suburbs. So there were probably I think that I think that the claim is that there were actually less people at that event in Lafayette Park in D.C. than there were at the Worcester event. But I had a good the few conversations I had with people were good. You know, just the the Tea Party is sort of this strange, you know, amalgam of people who are concerned about um, growth of government, and then people who are concerned about the decline of white supremacy. And they're, I don't know where the common ground is, and that's part of I guess part of the tension is that there's not necessarily common ground there. Um, I, for one, am, I remember how much the Tea Partiers were dismissed in, in the press all this time last year, and I just want to say, like, I'm glad that I didn't dismiss them, and I think we should not. I mean, they're also propped up, like, largely by, um, I mean, a lot of conservative media outlets. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I Fox mean, there's News all kinds of complexity there. Major promotion for them, like, all yes. the time. And what's really, what really, I guess, is interesting to me is like how much I would agree with them if they had good reasons for protesting what they're protesting. A lot of this stuff kind of rings hollow to me because, you know, now all of a sudden they're concerned about taxes even though they haven't had, we haven't had a major tax increase since Obama took over. You know, they're, in, they're concerned about the deficit even though, like, we spent the last eight years just, you know, bleeding money. Right, you know? right. George W. Bush was not a fiscal conservative. It just, it just seems like, I mean... I don't want to impinge on anyone's right to criticize the government. I think we should be critical of the government. It just seems to me like these people especially are criticizing the government because it's not the guy they want in office or not the people they want in office. Yeah, well, this is true. And I just, I just would like to say, just as somebody who's done a lot of protesting, and, and you've done a lot of political activism too, you know, just because some people are inconsistent doesn't mean other people are not consistent. That it's again, it's this weird hodgepodge of like people who are basically freaked out because the president's black, and so have suddenly woken up to the fact that our country spend, spends irresponsibly, and people who've actually been frustrated for the last ten years about the irresponsible spending, or the last twenty or thirty or forty years, and who now just find like a mass movement to join. And I don't know what percentage of this is what, and what percentage of this is like Fox and conservative think tanks propping it up, and what percentage of this is like people who are mad and hate Fox and conservative think tanks. There's, there's no shortage of consistency. I mean, that's, there was a Remusen poll that came out uh, two <coughs> weeks ago that said 74% of Tea Partiers identify themselves as Republicans. Yes. And the other, the leftovers uh, identify themselves as uh, as either conservative leaning or you know <coughs> independent uh, but conservatively leaning. I mean, there's no there's no shortage of consistency. It's 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 just a it's become the, the kind of uh, batshit wing of the Republican Party. Uh, by Thanks, Brendan. <laughs> now we have to edit this shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's, I don't, although if you talk to folks, they say, well, this is just an independent movement, that seems to always come from the folks who are new to the system. Like, there's, there's no shortage of people who are coming out as part of the Tea Party movement that are just new to politics. This, they could be adults, and this is like their first round of voting, or first round of getting engaged, which is great to actually have people coming into the fold, but they, they even seem to be confused about where their, um, Direction and, mo and, uh, and momentum is coming from, which as you said is a, a lot of it's coming from uh, right wing Ron news sources. It's it's coming from right wing Mostly news Ron sources or, or Glenn Beck. <laughs> I mean, I, Glenn Beck could actually be the grandfather of the movement. Uh, you know, it's uh, and then w when when the movement itself identifies itself as an existing. Uh, uh, an existing political party, it's hard to argue that this is something new. I mean, 74% of your members are, are claim to be Republicans, are registered right. Republicans. Right, then that's not that. a new thing. You're not that wild. I wanted, I did, two, two angles I wanted to put out on this. One is that, looking at the Worcester, one of the Worcester Tea Party websites, um, they had a bunch of posters from past events, and all of them had success, like, diagonally across it, which I thought yeah. was awesome. As, you know, as somebody who occasionally blogs about the total frustration that I have with, like, we did a big demonstration, and nothing changed. We did this awesome thing, and nothing changed. We did some crazy protest yeah. illegally inside the Capitol building, and nothing changed. It's interesting to see people who are like, we did an event, we got in the newspaper, therefore, we're going to call it a success. Which is crazy. Which is crazy because because <laughs> although although well, right because I don't sort of don't agree but with that. That's my whole point with the naivety, right? I mean, that's uh, you're bringing people who are new to the whole system. It seems as though the, the body doesn't realize yet that just showing up in mass doesn't change anything, right? Well, I mean, I, we've been showing up in mass to, to things for years and yeah. nothing's changed. Well, I wanted to so I wanted to I wanted to bring this up in the terms of people are going to be counter protesting, and according to Western Magazine, there's been a call out from anti-capitalist groups to also come out there, maybe probably maybe not to counter-protest, maybe to protest with or parallelly protest or engage with. And the person who put the call out, I don't think is woken up yet, or is not here, so it's not going to be on the show. But um, I just thought that was interesting, because people, some people, on the, I want to link to this good Worcesterite thread about this idea, and some people were complaining, like, why are you out there counter-protesting? And I would say that if the people who are having the big event, like having the event and getting a little press for them is success, I guess I could see the argument that having the counter event and also getting a paragraph I've mentioned in the newspaper about about that thing is success. Right. I mean, if you want your your, your 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 movement to exist in a vacuum, then I mean, what what is success? I mean, when you've convinced yourself that you did the right thing, then it's a su successful movement. But if somebody comes out and throws a tomato at your head, it's it's a failure. I mean, it's what what is the point of of of, of dissent if you can't have multiple levels of dissent? Well, I think the thing is it sets up like a very adversarial thing. Like a lot of these people, I think, in the Tea Party are like libertarians, which are just like one very misguided step away from being anti-capitalist and anarchist, you know, so instead of like protesting these guys and setting up, setting up like a battle, which, you know, they're, these people are like aching for, you know, we sh what we should be doing is like engaging these people and be like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be mad at Barack Obama, maybe you should be mad at like institutionalized capitalism, or like maybe you should be mad at the fact that a representative democracy doesn't work quite the way you, work, you know, want to. Because I mean, the fact of the matter is like, you know, a majority of people voted for these congressmen and these, you know, mm -hmm. And he's, you know, the president and, like, whoever to make these laws that they don't agree with. And, like, they don't see that the issue is systemic and not that, you know, they think it's like, well, if we hadn't elected Barack Obama, this would all be better. You know, if it weren't for Nancy Pelosi, you know, we'd have our, you know, free market paradise. You know, and, like, instead of just saying, like, you guys are batshit insane. Sorry for the second word. <laughs> Stop sorry. it. I was just quoting Brendan. It. it was a paraphrase. I'm it was kicking a paraphrase. you both off of the show. Instead of, instead of saying you people are insane, you should say, like, hey, you have some valid concerns, but, like... 
You're going off on a tangent, guy. You're finding you're finding common ground. You're bringing yeah. people together instead of pushing them apart. I wanted to ask you, Brendan. So Joe Scully is one of the people who's sort of leading the thing of mm-hmm. we're going to have some people out there. Stand, stand up to stupid. Stand up to stupid. And stand up to stupid is not is not. Speaking of not not being uh, adversarial, right? <laughs> <laughs> and th- and this and this effort is not. Maybe you can characterize this a little bit because Joe. Uh, not well, yeah, I mean, so be on the show I, I think anyone who knows Joe, he's not uh, he's not out there with a baseball bat with a nail through it, you know, swinging at, at members of the Tea Party. I was actually out with Joe in front of Congressman McGovern's office uh, last month um, as there was a protest out there. And the morning was spent just engaging people, like having polite conversation, like political conversation with people we didn't know. It was actually a really great morning. I hear that the evening shift that Joe was at with his brother wasn't so polite and a little bit more insane. Um, but in the morning, we had a really good time. We met with both um, uh, challengers, or two of the challengers to Jim McGovern, um, who were down there, who also stopped by, and had some really, really great debates with you know two candidates for for Congress. Like, how often does that happen on, on a sidewalk in Worcester? And I think that's, from my my perspective, that's Joe's general idea is to go out and try and engage people and and, and just ex- by virtue of by by, by by via a conversation, uh, try and show that you know your 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 mode of thought is kind of. Uh, isol- it's, it's isolationist, right? You, you, you need to actually see that there are other ways of doing things, other ways of, of, of seeing things uh, before you just kind of lock yourself into this mode that is, is, again, can only exist in a vacuum. Because if you're not willing to deal with the, the, the conversation and the criticism, uh, there's no point in being out the side of the road with a street sign. Well, I hope that this will be an event with a ton of thousands of people Criticizing the, the government is interesting, though, and expanding each other's minds. That came up on the Free Republic uh, last month that uh, anarchists were going to be coming out to counter-protest the protests, and it was um, the, the Freepers were actually kind of going crazy over it, saying that they were all going to come, all, all the Tea Party m- marches, they were going to come armed to protect themselves against anarchists. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you're going down to Lincoln Square, wear, wear a vest. I don't know. <laughs> any any final comment, Greg Auburn? No All right. Well, uh, Saturday, Spring Garden Forum, 11 to 3, rain or shine at the Woo, 911 Main Street. It's not Spring Garden Forum, Spring Garden Festival, Art Regional Environmental Council, Free Seeds, Gardening Workshops, Ask a Farmer, plus more. Um, I don't know. What else is going on this weekend? There's a show at the Firehouse. There's, um, There's the Unsaddest Factory Theater um, is putting on a performance. It's a play. I'm not sure what it's about, but... Many people have told me it's going to be fantastic. Sunday evening at the firehouse. Awesome. Well, that's about all the time we have. Thanks for being on the show, guys. Thanks for watching.